wish that you had all the time and energy and motivation in the world to get yourself to a fitness class multiple days a week, get yourself exercising, moving how you wish you were moving or moving how you used to move before you became a parent? Do you wish that you were the king or queen of meal prep, getting groceries every week, fridge is always full of easy, healthy things to snack on and you know that you like certain healthy foods uh, and for some reason they're not getting on your table but you just wish that they were. Um, if you, if these thoughts have gone through your head, I will tell you first that you're normal. I will tell you second that I have been there and my background, my expertise is in fitness and nutrition. But when I became a parent, that became so difficult to maintain. And my life right now does not look like it looked like before I had kids. Uh, but I am trying and I'm here for you. And I wanted to make this podcast and make this my programs for you to help you figure out how to fit food and fitness into your life as a busy parent so that you can feel better, you can feel more like you, and you can feel like you are taking care of yourself, but it's not requiring all of the hours of effort and all of the energy that you think that it's going to require. So I am here to give you simple tips, little prompts to give you a little bit more energy, help you make things feel a little bit less overwhelming, make it feel like you do have the bandwidth to take care of yourself just a little bit. And then if you do that, then you get more bandwidth. And if you do it more, then you get more and you get more and more energy. So I'm here to help you build up your healthy autopilot, your healthier you. So keep on listening with me and you'll keep on getting ideas and I guarantee you will feel better. Hello, everybody. Beth here with special guest Robin Hornstein. Welcome, Robin. Thank you. Happy to be here. Robin is a psychologist and an owner of Hornstein, or Hornstein Platt. I think I said that wrong the first time. Hornstein Platt, uh, which is here in Philadelphia, which is a big company full of lots of therapists, amazing therapists and psychiatrists who accept health insurance. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your business and so excited to have you here today. Oh, thank you so much. And I'm really happy to be here. Yeah, we actually are a 21 year old business. We evolved from two people um, mm -hmm. finding that we were sitting here and having an overflow of people who wanted to come and see us for a variety of reasons. And so we just started hiring and it organically grew and which also meant we made a ton of mistakes because we weren't business owners. We were therapists, <laughs> but we figured it out as we went along and we are currently happy to have um, both a very robust intake and um, billing department as well as five, I think we have four or five prescribing uh, clinicians. So um, who do medication with our patients, but also people outside of our practice. And we have about 45 um, psychotherapists ranging from LPCs to psychologists. So it really, it's a pretty diverse group of people. That's amazing. And, and I know you guys are a really popular practice here in Philadelphia. Um, and, and so I just love that. I actually, I'm like, oh, it's a celebrity that I have on my podcast. <laughs> 
Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> if, if therapists can be celebrities, there you go. And sure it's a small world. So yeah. It is. It is a small world. That's true. Um, so I'm so glad to have you on here today. Um, I know that you've got a lot of experience working with um, new mothers and working with people on body image. Um, and so I thought today it would be a great way, a great time for us to chat um, about the the psychology of transitioning to motherhood and how that connects with the kind of clients that I work with who are usually young parents who have had a huge change because their body became somebody else a house for somebody else for nine months Mm -hmm. um, and who are trying to figure out how to take care of another human while trying to get their body being becoming something that is recognizable to them function or image wise Um, and and I just, I, I end up talking with a lot of my, of a lot of my clients about focusing on health and not focusing on weight. Mm. And I know that we've, you and I just chatted about that a little bit. So I wanted to talk about today, I'm kind of rambling about it, but we, I, I wrote a note saying we're talking about body image after becoming a mother and how to tease apart diet and exercise as a weight focused thing versus as a health focused thing, because as a new mother, I preach this to all my clients, but you need energy and you need strength and stamina. And that is all part of changing your diet and exercise routine. Um, But it can be really challenging if you are struggling with body image and the, the like beating yourself up piece of changing um, your diet when you're telling yourself, I want to love my body, but I'm changing my diet. But is it because I hate my body or is it because I need energy and wear all that? So I'm rambling, but, I, but we're going to get into all that today. Yeah, no, you're not <laughs> rambling. I mean, this is a really very important and big topic because becoming a mom is, um, it's transformative, right? It, becoming a dad and, you know, have, having a child is transformative mm-hmm. in any way. But when you are the person, if you are the person who has carried a child, you know that you have, uh, you know, you have a story from before you even conceive, right? Unless it was mm-hmm. an accident and that happens too. And mm-hmm. sometimes that's a surprise and a happy one and sometimes not. But if you have been working on and planning for and, and suddenly you find yourself pregnant, you start a story and it ends like never, right? It keeps going. You, your expectation of yourself, your body, yourself as a mom, yourself as a continual partner to the person that you, if you have a child with someone, mm-hmm. you kind of like, you buy the hype, right? We all had a story. And I always tell my clients, if you're going into delivery mm-hmm. with a birth plan, remember it's a plan <laughs> and then you have the actual birth story, which right. is what actually happens. Yep. And so I think we don't know how, like nobody prepares you completely, right? I mean, and thank mm-hmm. goodness. I mean, there are some things that you could say bad about social media, but one of the things that has been helpful is when other moms get on and say, my breasts hurt from breastfeeding. Am I doing it right? Or, you know, I've never had such you know, discomfort in my back before, and I've never carried such big breasts before. Is that normal? And, you know, Mm -hmm. what does my body look like after, during pregnancy? And some people are hyper-focused on the weight gain. And I think part of that happens because the doctors are hyper-focused on it. And yes, I understand that they're going to watch for a jump because of diabetes, you know, gestational diabetes. Mm -hmm. Other than that, the obsession with don't gain more than this amount of weight Hopefully some of the, you know, obstetricians are stopping that process, but I think a lot of them really get you hung up just like pediatricians get kids hung up on their weight by saying, that's true. Watch what you're eating. Like, yeah. I don't want to have too many snacks anymore. And I think our, our focus becomes 
managing our bodies, not living in our bodies. Mm-hmm. And that's the part that I think as, as we go through pregnancy and as we have children, you're not learning to manage your body and manage your child's body. You are learning to live with your body as it changes, as your child develops and grows. And the other piece of it, which is not, you know, hope not guilt inducing, but you're also a role model through this process, right? Because how you look at your body, I mean, children just watch us. We are their, we're their action figure movies for like a very long time Mm -hmm. and they're taking it all in and absorbing. So if you are like, okay, I'm not going to eat that anymore because I'm trying to like get back to a, a certain weight. Like it, our bodies don't even ever have to go back to a certain weight. Like weight is not the issue here. So right. you were going to say, no you, just, no, you just said so many things that I would, that I, my brain was like this, this, this. Um, I like that you said managing your body versus being living in your body, because that is something that a lot of people come to me as a dietitian and a personal trainer saying like, I would like to change my body from A to B or, or not even A to B, usually because it's people who are postpartum or often people who are postpartum. It's I'd like to change it from B to A. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but how about from B to C, um, moving to the next step in the next place. And it's being a strong role model. It's being a strong, you know, focusing on, um, what you can do now in this life you have now, because so much changes when we become parents. And, and I heard once somebody say that, like, there's always a morning, there's always a morning for something that your life was like before, but then there's this thing you're cherishing of this new human in your life. And there's things you can't like, we accept that, our Friday nights are no longer the same. So why can't we accept that our, you know, that our Saturday four hour session at the gym can't be the same either or what I mean, I'm exaggerating, but um, yeah, gosh, that's a really good point about your living in your body and then setting the good example. I think that that is huge. That's also an area that um, a lot of my clients and I talk about, which is um, a lot of people will come to me for nutrition help as, you know, I would like to be healthier, but then also, I don't want to give my kids the same issues that I had growing up. Mm-hmm. Can you talk to me a little bit about what you've seen? Because I know that I've talked to, um, I just mentioned to you earlier, my mother's a, a psychologist. And she mentioned to me when I was a kid that she noticed that, and, and I've noticed it in my practice, that so many people, it's like par- carry down from generation to generation of, oh, of yeah. watching your parents, watching what they're eating or how they're eating and how it impacts you. And how do you, what do you see with your clients there? And how do you break that cycle? I think breaking the cycle is so key here. And I think the the reality is when somebody learns to appreciate that, first of all, your body, I loved your B to C instead of B to A. I mean, because I think the reality is our bodies change from like in utero through death, right? I mean, we are going mm-hmm. to go through and hopefully we're blessed with really long lives. That's awesome. But we're going to go through all of these transformations. And one of them is having, you know, a child and then getting older and then menopause. And like, if we're talking about a woman's body, like there's mm-hmm. a lot of stuff that happens. Yeah. And if every phase is set with a number in mind of a weight you're supposed to be, or a certain look at your body, which is, you know, I say to clients all the time. So tell me when you thought you look, looked your best, you mm-hmm. probably do this too. Mm-hmm. And they say, Oh God, when I was 20. And I'm like, and when you think about when you were 20, did you think you looked your best? No, I thought I looked. Yeah, the answer is always no. Right. <laughs> the so always saying, no. Okay, have we learned from this this mm-hmm. moment where we keep perpetuating a myth of the person we're supposed to be, the mom we're supposed mm-hmm. to be, the body we're supposed to have, and we get hung up on 
especially what worries me as a, as an eating disorder provider, we get hung up on things like orthorexia where we're like, well, I have stopped eating X, Y, and Z because it's been proven to be dangerous and not good. And like, you know, we go through these yo-yo diets and this diet culture kick where it's like, okay, now I'm keto. No, now I'm whole 30. No, Mm -hmm. that's not good. Now I'm going to try this. And now I'm going to try that. And all of it shaping ourselves, like, not supposed to be busy shaping ourselves. I right. want I model myself anymore after my cat and my dog. They just live inside their bodies. They mm-hmm. eat when they're hungry. They stop when they're full. They play. They sleep. They poop. I mean, they do all the things we're supposed they to do. They do what they need to do. Yeah. And and we I talk about that sometimes with my clients about the about with our kids. Watching your kids eat can be really eye-opening because there's I know there's this new splash on social media and I and I like it this new concept it's not even a new concept but a concept that's popular right now about not making a big deal about dessert and letting it be at the dinner plate with you know with the dinner for your kids and watching what happens and it's so shocking to me and to all these other adults when you see your kid take like a bite of brownie and then a bite of green bean and then a bite of you know and they do and there's just part of what they're eating and it's not always I mean definitely not always yeah some kids Um, are different than others but we used to have you know I I was raised by a dieting mother like mm -hmm. a pretty big dieting mother and Mm -hmm. as a matter of fact my mother and I've said this before and I say it in the book that I'm trying to finish Mm -hmm. um my mom was probably one of the few people on Weight Watchers as she was like basically dying. Like she was, she had breast cancer and she was very sick and she's like, but I I need to look good. And and it was her control. That was her thing. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to pass that to my daughter. So we did all kinds of things with food. We played with it. We learned to cook. We took cooking lessons. And one of the things we always did, we had reverse dinner Mm -hmm. at least, you know, I don't know if it was once a week, but it was definitely a couple of times a month where we started with dessert. I like that. We went backwards. And you know, the funny thing is, she ate a little bit of dessert and then she was, she was like, she did reach for the string beans or she did reach for like, you know, I don't know, whatever we chicken or, or tofu or whatever we were eating. Yeah. And it's because there was no, there, there wasn't a, an issue around it. And I watched some of her friends. Like I remember one mom calling me and saying, when she comes over to play, I need you to water her, her juice. I need half, half water, half juice. And I'm mm-hmm. like, okay. She's like, yeah, I don't want her to have like a weight issue. And I was like, Oh, I mm. thought it was because there was a sugar issue. Like I thought right, maybe right. there was something going on. I was like, oh, okay, if you say so, I'll, yeah. I'll you know, follow your instructions. And I watched this kid watch me pour the juice to make sure that I was following the instructions because it was oh, very goodness. important. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, I think we get really hung up on what we eat and what our kids eat. And we start, once there's rules and regulations about it, unless there's an illness going along with it, or for, like, for me, like, sadness. I can't eat a lot of grapefruit because I'm on a cholesterol medication. Right. That's so frustrating, <laughs> but I love grapefruit. So mm-hmm. I'm not going to not ever eat it. I'm going to know that it, I don't know, potentiates In the moderation. Mm-hmm. And exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think, I don't remember which famous movie star said, even moderation needs moderation. Yes. I love that quote. I don't know who said that either, <laughs> but I love that. That's a great quote. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I also really like the reverse dinner concept because, and I like that it's, so I think also with this, the idea of rules is now I'm hearing from people that it's like, they're always putting dessert on the plate with their kid because that's what the social media people do. But I like how you're saying like a couple nights a month, we would have this reverse dinner. So then you, you, and I think that's, that's part of the whole, like, I don't know if diet culture is the right thing, but there's also the wellness culture where, and the, and the borderline orthorexia where you're borderline, you're being like 
you're following too much nutrition advice and too many rules and it's stressing you out. And so I like the idea that you guys like sometimes did this one way of eating dinner and sometimes do another. Um, And I think that's something that, that I do with my family and myself. And I think that um, people have this misconception that dietitians are like always following this strict structure. Um, And so I like that you're presenting it as like a flexible thing. Like sometimes you're going to, you know, like, I always tell my clients, sometimes a salad feels really good and that's what you're craving and that's what you want. And sometimes pizza does. Exactly. And yeah. I, you know, and, and it also is seasonal. I think we have seasonal appetites. Like I know for me in the summer, I love nothing more than crunching a whole bunch of really delicious, like raw vegetables and, you know, sunflower seeds and all that stuff. And in the mm-hmm. winter, no, I don't want that. Yeah. I really want soup. Like I want... <laughs> or hot and, and thick and creamy stuff. So yeah, you're not alone in that. I can tell you from years of seeing nutrition clients, the trends, like it's so it's, I guess it's cliche, but it happens every year. People, you know, depending on what season's coming up, there's, you're not alone. I think a lot of people are seasonal eaters. That Mm -hmm. makes a lot of sense. And Mm -hmm. I think, you know, the other thing I, I learned to follow hunger in full. That was really important for me. And for some people that really works mm-hmm. and it stops you from thinking about what it is you're eating or when you're eating it. If I'm hungry at a certain time, I'm hungry at a certain time. I did that as a mom too. My, when my daughter started elementary school, I noticed that when she was her most hungry and she would eat the the most like and the biggest chunk of her food for the day mm-hmm. was when she got home from school. So I had dinner ready then. And it's fantastic. We, we ate like around three or three thirty, like some kind of protein, some kind of you know mm-hmm. vegetable starch, whatever we were eating, and then she had her snacks later instead of fully filling up on like on snacks, snacks and then not eating dinner and being a little bit like you know kind of I don't know she she was one of those kids who had like blood sugar kind of stuff, mm. so you could tell when she was she eating. needed it. And yeah. so she'd come home and she'd be like, oh my God, this chicken's so good. You know, yeah. she'd eat the chicken and everything. And then later we were having chips, like, and none of it was judged. It was just like, mm-hmm. what, how am I going to, I remember my pediatrician says, don't watch everything they're eating in one day. Really right. make sure you're looking over a period of days. Mm-hmm. And I was just making sure all this, you know, like wonderful things were getting in as well as all the, you know, the things she wanted for snacks. Yeah. Which, they were Gosh, fine, I but... feel like you are like, I feel like you could lead my, my online course, the refresh, <laughs> because that's, that's something I've also taught. Like somebody, I just, somebody in the program, I just had a conversation with her and her wife the other week um, about doing that exact thing, having dinner at 4 PM um, because yeah. that's when they, all of them are hungry for dinner. And, and all, and like, if you think about it from the point of view of the human body and metabolism and how quickly our GI tract clears, it makes sense. We should be, we'll be hungry then because if you're waking up and you're, I mean, we're no one's leaving the house these days, we're in a pandemic, but if you're leaving the house or getting your workday started or your school day started, you're eating breakfast before probably if you eat breakfast. So that's 7am. Then you might eat lunch at noon and then, or maybe 8am you're eating breakfast. So four hours later, you're eating lunch. And then we expect our bodies to go seven hours from noon to seven without food. Mm -mm. And that's not, it's not supposed to be the human stomach empties every three ish hours on average. And you have hormones that wake up that say time to eat again. And so, so listening to your body, I think we have all these rules and, and unfortunately a lot of people have jobs. Like if you work well, and with COVID now we're all kind of in protective gear, but I'm thinking of clients of mine that have worked um, in labs or in, you know, hospitals and emergency rooms where you can't eat when you want, but unless you have that kind of job, eat when you want. It doesn't matter what the meal time is. Your body's telling you, you need a meal. 
No. And I think, you know, when we talk about people who with body image or, or eating disorders, what we start mm -hmm. to hear are people that either their urges are so big that they're eating more than they even want beyond full, or mm -hmm. they're enjoying feeling hungry all the time. There is a piece of, of control that happens. And I think this is what we see sometimes with new moms who are like, I, I remember one woman coming in and saying to me, Nobody will give me the exact number of calories I need to eat and the exercising I need to do to maintain my milk supply, but lose weight. Mm. And I'm like, is there a form? I guess. I don't know. Is that, <laughs> is that a healthy question? <laughs> like, I, yeah. You know, we just sort of unpacked it. Mm -hmm. and, she, and I was like, but do you want to see a dietitian and have a conversation with somebody? I don't think they're going to give you a magic number though. I think, you know, part of what you're doing yeah. is you're expecting something from your body that it may not be ready to do. And I think the mm -hmm. readiness also is a piece of it because you know, and I know you may sit more with a newborn than you do once they're toddling about and you're running around the house and you're running outside after them. Right. And so there's a natural increase in exercise that happens. Although I watch you on your um, Instagram and you're like, I am doing exercise with my kid on my legs and up in the air. And I'm like, love it, love it, love it. Yeah. But I think, I think we're so busy trying to get into this shape that we think everybody else is in, but are they like, yeah. you know, I think that's the other thing. It's like, who are we watching? Even I love that some of the newer, younger actors, actresses are mm -hmm. coming out and saying, yep, I got stretch marks. Yeah, I know. It's fantastic. It's so good because that wasn't around before we had this per picture perfect image. And I like that you brought up that that example of that patient because I've definitely had people in my office like that. Um, and, and the thing is, so I've done my research on postpartum nutrition and weight and like breast milk supply. And the and the recommendation that I, I used to give a talk when when the um, when the nesting house used to have a new mom's group oh, in person I used to give yeah. a talk you know back before the pandemic uh, but I but I would always tell this group of whatever group of women were there I would say you are not supposed to lose more than four pounds a month when you are first postpartum mm -hmm. that's not a lot of weight. Mm -mm. And, and especially if you gained 35 or whatever, when you're pregnant or more or less, like that's not a, you know, you're, you might lose a chunk when you first have the baby because it's water and it's the, it's the baby and it's your uterus um, or your placenta. I mean, but, but you're not supposed to be pushing your body to lose weight because you need, if you want, if you would like to breastfeed, you need to have, um, resources to create a breast milk supply. And then I've even done research for patients uh, who are struggling, who are saying, but I've been, it's been six months. Why can't I lose weight? And like some people, there's not a lot of research because it's really difficult to research breastfeeding women. Um, but some women, your body, you know, you, you lose weight when you breastfeed some women, your body holds on and you don't lose weight until after you're done. And there's no way to know which That's one so you are. Yeah. There's no way to know which body type you are, or how to control it. Like there's not research on it. And, and it's just one of those things where I think I'm sure you could speak to it, where it's like your body has just done this huge thing and you can tell yourself, I know I'm supposed to love my body, but it can still not be yours. And there's so many layers of things that aren't just about the weight, but about what your body did and who you are as a person. Um, and it can be hard just to sit with it for a while mm -hmm. and go from that B to C instead of B to A. Um, but but you're right, forcing yourself down to a calorie number, like you're right, there is no magic way to do that equation. Like I can guess at like something based on pulling together random research, but I don't think it's actually accurate. <laughs> I think it's- not even helpful, right? Yeah, because I think yeah. you're hungry. I mean, I remember being hungry. And oh, you're hungrier. Remember, 
Like, and no I, one tells I, you that. No, you're hungry all the time when you're breastfeeding. Yeah. I mean, if you're bre- even, or even if you're just taking care of a, a newborn and you, you're not breastfeeding and, yeah. and you still have, you still have to go through whatever happens with your breast if you choose not to breastfeed. And right. And you're you not know, sleeping. Your hormones are making you hungry or you need oh, that. You're awake more hours. You need more energy. Right. Um, oh, I could go on. Yeah. And I didn't know until after I had my daughter that you get hungrier. And then I did the research and I was like, oh, you actually, if you're breastfeeding, you're burning more calories and you need more calories than you ever did when you were pregnant. Mm-hmm. And you just need it. That makes total sense. And also, look, let's not forget, there's people that have postpartum depression. Mm -hmm. And it's really hard for them to even like, figure out how to get a shower there. You know, there's, there's all that stuff going on that they're feeling really crappy, or they're anxious, really, really anxious. And, you know, I happen to fall on the anxious side when I um, first had a child. And I was like, how, like, if I can't measure the milk because I'm nursing, mm-hmm. then what the hell's happening here? And do I have to count wet diapers? And I was starting to yeah. this, like down this trail and it wasn't about my body. It was about whether my body was doing what it was supposed to be doing. Cause I mm-hmm. couldn't tell. And nobody, you know, there's something comforting when you're pregnant, you're going for checks and they're doing the ultrasounds and they're mm-hmm. telling you what to do. Then they send you home with this human and you're like, is this the right amount? Is this what right. she's supposed to be? He's supposed, you know, they're supposed to be doing. I don't know. And you're that's where I think it's easy to get into like, well, then I'll focus on my body because I'm so out of control. Because you are not you're in charge of and protecting mm-hmm. this new life, but you're also you can't figure out everything about them until they start to be themselves and yeah. like they're blossoming. You don't know how to control them. You you right. never do, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, you don't. <laughs> do your um, do your best. That's a good point. When you're when they're new and they're there, like I remember with me, it was like luckily I went to this new mom support group and I had a little text message group of people that you know we would chat and ask each other questions. But there's no expert there guiding you. There's nobody that you're checking in with saying, "How does it make any sense? My my boobs feel light. Are they? Is there milk coming out? Is the baby getting nourished?" And right. there's so much stress. There so, is yeah. a lot of so, and I, and I guess, I mean, from the little bit I know about psychology, I guess like, so that's, you know, you hear about stress and people kind of leaning on like obsessive compulsive type of behaviors when you're stressed out. And I could see how that could tie into disordered eating and, and, um, how oh, that can yeah, become. Absolutely. Prevalent. I will only eat, you know, I I'm up too many hours. I'm not sleeping enough. So I will only eat the meals I normally would eat instead of thinking, well, I was just up like for, you know, on and off for the past 24 hours. Yeah. <laughs> like there's on, there's off, there's on. And there's also the expectations that we put on our ability to act the same way we did prior to this new human being mm-hmm. in our lives. And you know, it doesn't matter how much help you have. Like you can have a doula at night. You can have, you know, you can have your parent there. You can have, you know, the, your partner there. There is still something about, I'm supposed to do it all myself somehow. Like I think new moms really pressure themselves and therefore they're supposed to be like on the go and on the ready all the time. And it's, that's exhausting. And of course you turn to what can I control? Yeah. Coping mechanisms. Yeah. Yeah. I got to control myself. And that, that can turn easily into like this, how thin can I get? How fast? And people will say, Oh my God, you just had a baby. I mean, and that's the the compliments. Mm -hmm. People do, you know, people 
people in pregnant bodies just really blow me away. Like, can I touch the belly? I don't know you. Can you touch the, <laughs> my belly? Like these questions are really overwhelming. And I think then after you've had a baby, you still look pregnant when you first have had a baby and mm-hmm. people come up and they say, when do you do? Well, can you back up? Like, can pe- right. because I think that's the other thing that stresses new moms out when they hear those kinds of things and they can literally be holding the baby and somebody yeah. says, what you do. I don't know how that happens, but it does. I've seen it happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've heard of that happening too. So you said something earlier that, that I think that I wanted to ask more about. You said some people enjoy the feeling of hunger. Like it gives you that control. So if you're in this situation where you're feeling super overwhelmed, you're a new mother and you're, you know, saying, okay, well, I'm going to control my body. What, how do you work with clients who that's, you know, where they're starting from is like, this feels good to control this and to feel this hunger. Well, first I find out, are they talking to the pediatrician? Do they have a dietitian who works with people who are pregnant and, and postpartum? Mm-hmm. Like, what are they doing to care for themselves besides me? Because mm-hmm. I am doing the therapy part of it. And then we talk about like, you know, sometimes we just act as if you don't have to you can eat a couple small meals. Like you can eat every two or three hours, even if you don't feel hungry or if you feel hungry, but you don't want it. Like, what can you eat? What are you, you can still have cravings after you give birth. Like, what are you craving? You craving Cheerios, which I crave through my pregnancy and still do. <laughs> I think that's probably just because I love Cheerios. But like, I think, you know, part of it is like, what are we going to do to like stop this hyper focus on, I need to be, the person I was prior to having a baby and, Mm -hmm. but I want the baby, but I just don't want this body. And God, the body changes so dramatically during pregnancy and right after birth. I mean, it really changes a lot. I didn't recognize Mm -hmm. myself and I didn't know, I guess that's the other thing. You feel like a little distanced from your body when you first Mm -hmm. have a baby, you're sort of like, this hurts, that hurts. Like, like, what is this thing? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I don't get this. And then suddenly you're like, okay, now I'm supposed to just be mom. Mm -hmm. And the attention draws away from you too. And I think that's another thing that sometimes is difficult. People are like, let's hold the baby. Let's see the baby. Let's see the baby. I'm always inclined when someone has a baby to make sure that they get a present for themselves as well as for the baby, because it's really important to like, honor what just happened here you know yeah. it's the birthday not only the birthday yep mm-hmm. I was talking to somebody who used the analogy that um and I don't know if she, this she came up with it or somewhere she got it from somewhere but that new motherhood is like being a candy wrapper so everybody can't wait to see what's inside and once the baby comes out you're a discarded wrapper oh my goodness um which is <laughs> terrible sad. and so sad but I I understood it when she said it yeah no I can I understand and I I also understand that you know like if you think about it one way to feel whole is to feel like nothing's changed, you know, that makes us feel more secure and safe. And I think if walking into pregnancy, you had trepidations about weight gain, it's very scary throughout, you know, and I've had clients who come Mm -hmm. to me and say like, like, I'm not gaining enough weight. I'm being told I'm not gaining enough weight, but I gained three pounds. And I'm like, you gained three pounds and you're five months pregnant. Like, you know, nope, that's not how that works. And I think it's really, we do see eating disorders, bloom that weren't completely there before, Mm. but we also see a continuation throughout and people really having a hard time, hard time controlling binge and purge while you're pregnant. That is really, really dangerous for, you know, it's, it's, I mean, the body, I believe takes the nutrients for the baby first. Mm -hmm. So you're putting yourself more at risk than the baby in that moment, but you're not 
making for a healthy pregnancy. That's your own bones that will get weak or not the babies. Yeah. yeah which, awesome. which is probably not, not great to share because that doesn't help when and I think so many mothers are focused on the baby and not themselves, but um, but you have to focus on yourself, right? And yeah. that's the thing. You have to know that if you want to be strong enough to take care of this child and then live your life mm-hmm. watching this child grow up, right? you don't want to put yourself at risk for osteoporosis during pregnancy, right? You don't want to start mm-hmm. that going down that road. So binging and purging is hard. People using, you know, still using substances that they, you know, maybe shouldn't be using while they're pregnant. Like there's a lot of things that happen because people are just terrified. Yeah. Women are very scary time. Yeah. Yeah. So thinking about at the other side, after you have the baby, after, you know, you're maybe they're a toddler now, they're a little bit older and you're, um, I'm thinking now about my clients who are in my online group program where we focus on eating healthy and exercising for energy, for getting through the day, for being that role model for your kid, for being, um, you know, I've worked with all sorts of different ages and I can remember working with a lot of grandmothers who said like, I just want to get, or and fathers who said, I just want to get on the floor with my grandkids and have that be easy. Or I just want to go on vacation to somewhere where there's going to be hiking and have that be easy. And so that can become a goal. And so, if you have dealt with body image issues and if you've dealt with eating disordered thoughts and then you are trying to reframe, how do you help people reframe? Because I think, so let me back up. So I feel like I, I, I sometimes see clients who have had a history of eating disorder um, or body dysmorphia who say that their therapist finally told them it was okay to start working on their diet again, but they're trying to do it for their health this time. But it can be so tied in and hard to untie or an unpack from those previous feelings that were so body image focused. And so, mm-hmm. you know, strict rule focused, how do you work with people to kind of shift that frame to focus on, um, on outcomes that have nothing to do with body size, but have to do with ability maybe and strength and, and wellness in other ways. Which is exactly where we go. Right. And I, mm-hmm. I, I think we're diet drives me absolutely up a wall I because I think, the minute you say diet, what do you think, right? You think, yeah. Wait, let me tell you a fun acronym I learned about that. Cool. Diet stands for did I eat today? <gasps> I'm feeling that. <laughs> I will that give great? you full credit. I love it. It's amazing. <laughs> yes, because I think I think when you are going back into the gym or you're, you know, maybe for me, it was like, I, I, you know, my kid was in a stroller and we were taking like two or three mile walks and she was mm-hmm. having a nice nap and I was getting some exercise in and yep. it was awesome. Um, but I think when you get back to doing some of the exercise and eating, eating for energy, eating for health, eating for, you know, like if what's in your head is I must, I must, I must, or I'm scared. I'm, I, I better do this. I'm going to like, you know, Beth told me I could eat, you know, like I could have like a snack, you know, during the day, like mm. two snacks. And like, then you say, what did you have for your snack? And this may be something that I would follow up with as a therapist. I'm like, well, so what did you, you know, Beth told you to do that. What did you have for a snack? And they'll be like, (laughs) celery and dipped in peanut butter, ranch dressing. Like, give me, give me. Mm -hmm. And I think, so you watch for, I watch for people to be playing with the rules. Like I am having snacks. Are you? Like I had a client Mm -hmm. recently tell me I, and she is not just post baby, but she basically said, I am eating, I'm eating uh, a meal or so. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's sort of like, hold on, sorry about that. I'm eating a meal or so and I don't 
know whether they're eating any other meals. So I had to ask, are you eating other meals? Like, I think mm-hmm. we have to watch for people who are still trying to bend rules and not, or people afraid of certain foods, right? I mean, I'm sure you are constantly working with this and I get it from the other side. People are like, I don't eat nuts. Nuts are bad for you because mm-hmm. they're all fat. I'm like, are they all fat? And are they all bad for you? And is fat bad for you? Like, I, I don't like this whole, like, if the word bad is associated with food, I already get worried, right? Yep. And I think mm-hmm. that's one of the things that we look for in terms of, especially with, you know, postpartum moms, it's like having like rigorous routines around their food, not going out, not, I'm, and these days, of course, you can easily say, I'm not going to meet my friends at a right. restaurant. <laughs> Sorry, you know, open up again, but like, there's been a year of like, mm-hmm. no restaurants. And people have been super relieved because they I have know. control and nobody's eyeballing them mm-hmm. and seeing the, the amounts they're eating. And, you know, that is that is really troublesome. And they still feel badly about their body. Yeah. What about the people? So I'm thinking of a conversation I had with some of my members the other week about like they were so proud of, and I'm so proud of them for how far they've come on their journey and letting go of this all or nothing approach to wellness. Mm-hmm. Um, and and some one of the women was saying like, now she realizes like she wanted to eat, I forget what it was, but it was something that was like a sweet, like a really rich dessert type of thing. And she said, and she said now, instead of saying like, no, we can't have that. She's like, I just asked myself like, did I have some protein um, or like, maybe I'll just like eat like a piece of cheese or something to balance it out. So my blood sugar doesn't spike as Beth taught me. So my energy is steady. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, she's so proud of that. But then, and this, I'm, I'm blurring two of my clients together right now, but this could easily be one person. Um, so, and then somebody else said, but she could, it could have been her saying like, I'm so proud of how far I've come, but I can't help every once in a while. I'll just think, just be disappointed that my weight isn't going down even though I feel stronger, I sleep better, I'm happier, my mood is lifted, I'm energized, I'm satisfied, but I still can't get it out of my head that like, I also wish I was skinnier. Well, you have to grieve that. I think we have to grieve the self that we think we're supposed to be. Like, I think we grieve that number. I remember going to see an eating disorder program. I forget where it was. uh, Maybe it was in Florida. And I went down to look at this program and I went into the art therapy room and I saw this like ridiculously amazing thing where all, it was a women's program. All the women who were there were asked to, when they came in, bring the skinniest pair of jeans that they had and whether they would no longer, you know, they would be whatever, they were going to be too big for them, too small, whatever it was going to be. And then those jeans were individually turned into paper in a paper mill at a art college, not far away. And then the the paper was brought back and people wrote messages to them, their, their, those jeans Mm -hmm. about their healthy bodies now. And they put them inside these little glass, like, um, charms and they Mm -hmm. hung them around their neck and they wore them. Oh, that's really nice. Because I, and I, it is, it was really nice. And I remember thinking, we don't allow enough time to grieve the the body that we thought we were supposed to have, the weight mm-hmm. we were supposed to be. You're allowed to be disappointed that you set yourself up yeah. for something that shouldn't even be attainable and should is a funny word, but I'll use it anyway, but mm-hmm. you know, like may not be attainable for your normal like body weight to be, right? Or right. you know, and and to grieve that means to let go of it and put it in a place where you can say, okay, but now I have this rich life and I eat an abundance of delicious foods. I don't eat, you know, like I'm not binging and purging. I'm not anorexic. I'm not mm-hmm. being orthorexic. I, I'm really just taking care of me. 
And you just you just gave me an aha moment that I wonder if other people listening have had that that it's okay to grieve and be sad that you're not the body you used to be. Because with my clients who are sad about it, I'm always trying to get them to not be sad about it. I've never thought, oh, I should give them permission to be sad about it. Yeah. That's huge. It is because we get we guilt ourselves so much. That's huge, huge, huge. Thank well, you for right. sharing and everybody that. who sees you getting into a more healthful relationship with your body is giving you all this praise again. Maybe it's the candy wrapper thing again, in mm-hmm. some ways. And instead you're thinking about what inside feels like crap, right? It doesn't yeah. feel good inside. So yeah, permission to grieve and to write a letter or to, you know, you know, I don't know, idolize something about that who that person was and mm-hmm. how are you really actually that person even in a different body size like right. wow that's pretty powerful you still yeah. you are that person you just that you know we're not all geared to have these tiny teeny tiny bodies that we're you know we're sold we're sold mm-hmm. by the diet, diet culture we're sold every commercial every movie star everybody who's walking down the street we're sold that that's what they look like and that's what we're supposed to look like and we're not we can't be we're just ourselves yeah yeah that's amazing well i know that we are at the end of the time we schedule for ourselves so i want to respect your time um can you share with um, anybody listening how they can work with you or other people at your company yeah and tell us about your book too if you oh yeah (laughs) <laughs> All right. So it has a working title, um, which I will tell you is where the eating disorders roam, how trauma, social injustice and diet culture keep us hungry. Mm. So it's coming out eventually. Sounds um, interesting. I'll, I'll definitely read it. Yeah, well, eventually. I, I'll read it too <laughs> if, it, if it comes out. Um, it's it, My editor's working with it right now. Mm. Um, and if people want to work, we have a pretty robust team of um, mm. people who work with body image, eating disorders, postpartum, perinatal stuff. So um, they can just go to our website, which is www.hptherapy.com and register to become a a client if they want, whether they want psychiatry or therapy, that's totally fine. And um, they can be happy to follow us on Instagram at either um, at hptherapy.com therapy or at um, mine is um, Mm -hmm. at Robin mindful counseling. And I'm happy to have people follow both. Um, I'm really proud of all the work we do. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. And yeah, I love your Instagram too. I think you get really nice, powerful messages and I'm always telling people to get to like do a, you know, a detox on your Instagram feed and start following more therapists and more body positive um, and health positive, but in a body positive way, practitioners. So, so you're definitely one of those. So thank you. Thank you. I love your, I mean, you know, I love your Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I can't wait to, as we're recording this, I'm super pregnant. I can't wait to have my little baby. And, and, and for me that like, it brings me joy to move with the babies when I'm, when like they're new and I kind of look at it as a way to make them stop crying. I'm like, if I can do squats across the kitchen, (laughs) maybe the crying will end and it doesn't. (laughs) No, if they're going to cry, they're going to cry. Yeah. Yeah. That's that control thing with them. Right. 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 Exactly. The attempt at control. Um, so I'll be sharing more of that too. Um, well, thank you so much for talking with me today. Uh, we'll sign out, but I'm going to put all the info that Robin just shared in the show notes. Um, so thanks everybody for listening. Thank uh, you. You're welcome. Thank you for being here. Bye for now. Bye. Okay, and now we are done. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. 
If you enjoyed it, please make sure you hit subscribe so you can hear more episodes just like the one you just listened to. Um, and if, if you have been thinking to yourself while listening to these episodes, preach, Beth is saying exactly what I'm thinking, but the problem is I know what to do. It's actually doing it that is the issue. Then I would like to suggest that you pop right into my show notes right now and click on sign me up for the next free mini challenge um, and get into one of my free series, my little free challenges that I do where I will poke you and prompt you to do the things that you know you should be doing, but you just need help actually doing them. I'm going to leave you with one thought today. Uh, right now, I want you to pause and think of one thing that you can do that will move you closer to achieving your health goal. Don't think, just do it. And it might be signing up for one of the mini challenges in my show notes. Uh, and it might be the step you need to take to start feeling good, energized, and in control of your wellness. So thanks for listening. Enjoy whatever thing you decide to do today to bring you one step healthier, and I will see you in the next episode.